You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. Let's give Jesus some praise, shall we, team? Come on. Anybody love Jesus out there this morning? Come on, lift your voice and make some noise and give your God. We praise you, Jesus. We give you the glory. Amen, amen, amen. Why don't you slap a high five with six people and say, this is going to be the best message you've ever heard. This is going to be the best message you've ever heard. Thank you so much to our awesome praise and worship team. I bring you all greetings from New Zealand. Nice to be here in the West Island. Oh, we got some Kiwis in the service. All black fans over there. It's always good to be an all black supporter. You get a lot of good days. That's the truth. But it is wonderful to be here in Perth. We want to tell you that I want to tell you that I love your senior pastors, Pastor Mark and Jemima, so very, very much. We've been friends of theirs for so long. I think probably about 15, maybe 18 years I've been friends with Pastor Mark, uh, Jemima, since he met her. And what an incredible couple God has entrusted to you as the leaders of Kingdom City. What a move of God this church is. I tell everybody everywhere I go, in fact, I, I tell Pastor Mark, I'm your best press agent you have. Uh, wherever I go on the planet, I'm telling everybody, you need to study what God is doing at Kingdom City. Uh, it is a phenomenon, isn't it? It really is a phenomenon, what the Lord is doing in our midst. I can't think of a single church that's impacting more nations as quickly as you are on the face of the planet, potentially ever. It's an incredible revival. God is moving in our midst. And if you love your senior pastors, Pastor Mark and Jemima Verakis, even though they are not here, can we just give them one? big thanks and clap and praise and cheer and come on let's honor them even though they're not in this room right now we love them we thank God for them want to encourage you to keep praying for your pastors keep lifting them up keep telling them they're doing a good job we all need it and if you have a Bible, we're going to go to the book of Jeremiah this morning. The book of Jeremiah, uh, chapter 23, is where we're going to dive into this message. My wife, Jillian, will be preaching here in Canningvale tonight. I just want you to know that you've got to come out. You don't normally come out at nighttime. Please come out and hear her this evening. You will not uh, regret it. My wife is an amazing woman of God. They like to say, John has slain his thousands and Jillian her tens of thousands. So come out and hear it tonight. You're going to love that. Uh, we have two children, a 15-year-old daughter, 12-year-old son. Uh, we pastor a church called Arise. It's been a wonderful, wonderful story of what God is doing in New Zealand. And I really do believe that this message we're about to share together this morning could be something that God wants to deposit right into your life, potentially right into Kingdom City at this moment and at this time. You believe that might happen? Amen. Jeremiah chapter 23, we're going to start reading in verse 21. I have not sent these prophets. This is God speaking. I have not sent these prophets, yet they run around claiming to speak to me, speak for me. I have given them no message, yet they go on prophesying. If they had stood before me and listened to me, they would have spoken my words and they would have turned my people from their evil ways and deeds. Am I a God who is only close at hand, says the Lord? No, I am far away at the same time. Three verses. In the first, God makes an observation. In the second, 
he gives them an offering, an offer. And in the third, he gives them an instruction. His observation, he says, I haven't sent these prophets, yet they're running around claiming to speak for me. In the second, he says, if they had stood before me, then they would have heard my words. And in the third, he gives them an understanding. He said, am I a God who is only close at hand? No, I am far away at the same time. I am far away at the same time. God said of Himself, I am a far away God. I am a far away God. A couple of months ago, I was preaching in Japan. I love Japan. Go there every year at the moment to invest in leadership in the church. And I was preaching a series of one-day conferences in different cities. On the Saturday, it was the final of the conferences. And I was preaching in the city of Tokyo. I love Tokyo. Everybody is just so cool. I was preaching my second message of the day. I was about five minutes into the message. And I'll be honest with you, team, I've been a, a preacher now for 27 years full time. I know when I'm doing well. I know when I'm doing poorly. And I was preaching this message. And honestly, my perception of the message was, John, you are crushing it. You're doing such a good job. I felt alive. I felt energized. I had coffee before I walked into the service. Everything was looking good. I'm preaching this message and I'm thinking, this is a brilliant message. My perception of me, this message is connecting. It's firing. People are loving it. But I was looking out across the auditorium and as I was watching, I realized where I was looking, everybody was nodding their head, receiving the word, few smiles even. By the way, the more you smile, nod your head and yell amen, the shorter I preach. That's the way I roll. So I'm preaching. Everybody at the back half of the auditorium is into it. Then I kind of looked forward towards the front of the auditorium. And the closer I got to the stage, guys, the less people were looking at me at all. In fact, the vast majority were kind of looking out the corner of their eye over to the corner. And I was thinking to myself, what is going on? This is a great message. They should be enjoying it. But nobody was even looking at me. They were all staring off into the corner. Finally, my eyes came all the way down to the front row of the auditorium. And when I got there, everybody on the front row was pointing with their finger like that. I followed the fingers across to the seat where Pastor Mervyn is seated. And someone was holding up an iPad. And on the iPad, it said, Pastor John's fly is completely down. I'm preaching God's Word and my perception. John, you are anointed. You're breaking through. I was breaking through, all right. John, you were revealing something. I was revealing something, all right. My perception of me and their perception of me could not have been more different. And friends, in our passage of Scripture, we've got But God talking about a group of prophets and their perception of themselves and God's perception of them could not be more different. The prophets were the ones entrusted with God's Word. They were to speak it to God's people. And when they did, they were to reveal something of the might and the magnitude and the direction that God has for His people. And the Bible tells us that the prophets have a perception of themselves. The Scripture just simply puts it, and it says that they are running around. 
that they have a full itinerary, a group of people, things to do, places to go, people to see, a bunch of plane flights stacked up and Instagram followership. They've got a YouTube stream. They've got several books in the pipeline, things that are on the go. And the prophets have a perception of themselves. Their playlist includes all-time hits like, I'm too Christian for my church. I can be your hero, baby. When a hero comes along, I mean, the prophets are thinking about themselves and they're just like, we are God's man of faith and power for the hour. You need a miracle? Come here, I got the hand. You know, they, they think that they've got it all going on. And God is looking at them in the middle of all of their self-aggrandizing, all of their activity, all of the fullness of their activity. And He's like, I'm watching you guys and you are running around all over the place claiming to speak for me, but I never gave you a message. You're up there hyping up the people, but you have no word from God alive in your heart. The activity looks like it's gonna be awesome, yet it is completely ineffective. God is saying about these prophets, you are an empty oracle. You are a prophet who has no voice. And if there is one thing God does not want, is a leader without a mandate, a Christian without a promise from God alive on the inside of them. God doesn't want a church that is devoid of anointing. He doesn't want a prophet without something of unction on the inside of them. And God is saying to these prophets, you're like a hollow veneer. You are like a, a, a guise of religion without the substance thereof. You have, you have something that looks great on the outside, but there is no substance to it on the inside. He says, you are running around all over the place, but you are not achieving anything as a result. You have a lot of activity, but you have no cut through. You have a lot of busyness, but you have no effectiveness. You have high action, but you have little impact. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He said, you have religious activity, but what you don't have is any revival. And if there is one thing we don't need, team, in the year 2019 is a whole bunch of Christian activity that is achieving nothing at all. How many people know what I'm talking about? Come on, our world needs Jesus. I need an amen to that. We need to see revival power touch people. We need teenagers to have a reason to live. We need a cause for marriages to hold together. We need people to get free from addictions. Come on, somebody. And we need a church that isn't just filled with the semblance of religion. We need a church that is filled with the might and the power of Almighty God. Come on, somebody give Jesus some praise if you believe that's true. The church in our time doesn't need religious activity that makes people feel important, but it has no impact on our culture. We don't need that. I think the devil's fine with a church that meets together in halls, holds hands, sing kumbaya until their palms get sticky, but doesn't change the community in which they live. I think the devil's fine with that. But that's not what we're about here at Kingdom City, right? I'm preaching to the choir when I say we need a church that's going to impact culture, bring the reality of God to our world, make a difference, unlock nations. Come on, somebody just shout a little amen. God's just like, what the heck are you doing? You're running around all over the place, but it is not achieving anything at all. And then God says, you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. Anybody grateful that our God never leaves us in a problem? He says, if, 
if, if you would stand before me, if you would listen to me. Is anybody out there just so thankful for that offer? That God literally says, you don't have to remain aloof from me. You don't have to remain estranged to my promise. You can become intimate with my promise. You can come alive in my word. Friends, I don't know, it didn't really connect in the last service. Maybe it was the preacher, but I am constantly so thankful that the God of perfect majesty, of flawless power, a God of infinite wisdom welcomes us not to remain a million miles away from Him, but to come close to the throne of grace and to receive what we need whenever we need it. How many people are thankful for a God like that? Could you just... Praise Him that He welcomes us near. I mean, if He kept us at a distance, He'd still be worthy of our worship. But He welcomes His people to come close to Him. He says to these prophets, you don't have to keep doing what you're doing, running around all over the place claiming to speak for me. You don't have to stay a hollow veneer. You don't have to be a leader who on the outside is saying God's with us, but on your heart is trying to remember the last time you found felt God's closeness and presence. You don't have to be a Christian who's got an outward guise of Christianity, but a nagging question on the inside of your heart. Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? Today, God doesn't want us to be believers who are just faking it and not really making it. He says, you can come to me and I'm gonna welcome you. You can draw close to me and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something different. And then he said these words. He said, if, if they had stood before me, then they would have turned my people. If they had heard my words, then things would be different. I want to inspire someone on the inside of someone out there today who's looking at a problem, looking at a challenge, looking at a situation. And right now you're seeing no way through it. I'm here to tell you one word from God can flip everything around. Something that looks hopeless gets filled with a lot of hope when a word from God enters in. If you know what I'm talking about, shout a little amen today. When we get that word coming alive on the inside of us, it turns the impossible into the probable, the implausible into the possible. When we get a promise from God on the inside of us, everything changes, doesn't it? I'm preaching myself excited this morning. And God said to these prophets, that's what I want to do for you. I want to give you something different. I want the outcome of your ministry to be greater. I want that addiction to be broken. I want that young person healed. I want that marriage put together again. I'm looking for a believer who's going to walk in the power and the might of Almighty God. That's what God wants for us. And now He wants to tell us how. How? How do we get this word? How do we receive of this Unction. How do we find this promise? And God gives us an understanding now in the form of a question. I'm writing a book at the moment called God Questions. It'll be out sometime before Jesus comes back. And in, in, this, in this book, I started the book because of this observation I made when reading the Scriptures that so often when God wants to communicate something to us, He doesn't come to us with an answer. We come to God hoping that for our problem, God will give us an answer. But often we come to God with our questions, seeking something from Him, and we discover something amazing about our God. We discover that sometimes He's not the God with all the right answers, but in fact, we come to Him and discover He is the God with all the right questions. 
that sometimes when He wants to do in the most in our lives, He teaches us and instructs us, not through commandment, but through question. He said to them, am I a God who is only close at hand? Am I a God who is only close at hand? You gotta understand that we've got these prophets and they're like people in our culture. They're running around. They're busy. They're multitaskers. They're updating Facebook statuses. They got early morning breakfast meetings, late night supper club. They got a favorite television show. They're binge watching something on Netflix right now. Gotta get to it. They got a lot going on. They got a sporting commitment. They got a party. They got to be seen with all the beautiful people. Got to grab the selfie. They've got everything on the go, everything on the go. And God is saying to these prophets something. He's saying, you know what? What you're doing looks on the outward like it's the dream life everybody would want. But I know something. I know you're missing something on the inside. And I know that all your activity leaves you vulnerable and hollow at the end of the day. And I'm here to tell you something. Am I a God who is only close at hand? No. No. I am far away at the same time. I am far away at the same time. Friends, too often we can fall into the trap and our modern culture, our 24-7 connected, our always online virtual reality, binge watching, multitasking, calendar prioritizing, 24-7 workday environment of the 21st century. Too often we can fall into the trap of living our lives only on one dimension. God is saying to them, am I a God who is only close at hand? Is that the sum total of what can be understood about me? Is that, is that the full comprehension of what you can receive of me? He said, no, there is more to me than just the God who is close at hand. I am also a God who is far away at the same time. I got a bunch of guys who are gonna come and help me. They're just standing out the back. Can you give them a welcome as they come? A big welcome, come on. They're doing a great job. See, friends, the truth is when you and I start to think about our lives, when we consider the world in which we live, the vast volume of our activity, I think we all quickly become aware that we live in a world that has changed on a dime. That the pace of life has really so quickly evolved from what the world looked like even only 10 or 20 years ago to the world in which we live now. When I was a boy growing up, if you called the Cameron House, at quarter past nine at night, my father flipped the way he greeted people on the phone as soon as nine o'clock rolled round. If you called our home at 8.45 p.m., then you got my dad saying, good evening, Cameron House, Alan speaking. If you called the house at 9.15 p.m., you got my father with a new greeting. He looked at his watch, he picked up the receiver and he said, it is 9.15 p.m., because even 20, 30 years ago, it was unheard of that you would try to connect with people after a time when people now were no longer available, they were inaccessible. And now we have a generation that is completely different. Is this not true? I mean, I can post something in one nation on earth on my Instagram feed and teenagers in my church at three o'clock in the morning are liking and commenting on the photo. 
Nobody should think that this is a good idea. But we are a generation that is no longer uh, akin to distance. We are no longer a generation that is used to any feeling of isolation, of remoteness. We feel it in our hearts, but not in the reality of our lives. We are a time, a season of life where jobs are now daytime and nighttime jobs. We live in a time where pressure is all around us when you used to have to wait until the latest episode of Friends came out. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Where are my old people at? Get with me right now. We used to wait till next Wednesday at 7.30 for the latest episode of Friends. And now you've got the whole series dropped on Netflix, binge watched in a week. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If we have a spare moment of time, even if we're waiting on the bus or in the waiting room of our doctor, we can scroll through and find out what everybody else in the world is doing in their more preferable existence. We, we are a generation that are living with increased pressure. Times are changing. The world is evolving. We're, we're trying to navigate the pressures of our lives. We're, we're looking for jobs. We're seeking immigration. We need a certain number of credits. We've got to get ahead. We've got to provide for our families. Housing increases. Wages don't. We've got circumstances and pressure and it can easily find ourselves where our lives can resemble that of the prophets. Where we are running around. Where we are online and we are connected and we are striving to make it through and we are working and we are, uh, we are driven and we are, we are distracted and we are busy. And in these moments and these seasons of our lives, the first thing that I want to highlight for us this morning is the graciousness of our God who doesn't say that when we are too stimulated in the mind to ever focus our thoughts on Him, that He leaves us. We find the opposite of our God. How amazing is it to read of our God that He is literally saying to these prophets who are so just in it that they don't get outside of it to think about it, God says to them, you know, I didn't, I didn't quit on you even though you were so busy. I didn't stop loving you because you were running around. How many people out there are grateful for the fact that the God that we worship is always close at hand? Are you grateful for that God? That even though I might be just grinding it out in another 80 hour work week with a marriage that has been held together by duct tape, that God didn't quit on me and leave me alone. But if all I've got time for is a help me Lord, that His presence just comes in like a flood. Are you grateful for that? That when I'm seeking employment, He doesn't leave me alone in it. And when I'm, when I'm trying to keep this marriage functional, or I've got a young person who's away from the Lord, or if you're out there and you've got a child that's in hospital right now, you might feel like you have no time and no moments and no peace, but you can just ask your God for help and He doesn't leave you alone. He didn't say you're in it by yourself. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you always. Who out there is just grateful for the close at hand God? He's close at hand. He's close at hand. He's there for us always. He's there for us constantly. He never, he never vanquished us. He never walked out and said, you're not giving me enough attention. He's, he's always there. He's always there. He's faithful. He's constant. He's merciful. He's kind. He's wonderful. But He's trying to highlight something for us that might be more relevant to us in the year 2019 than it has ever been. He says, am I a God who is only close at hand? 
when you are multitasking, when you are connected, when you are constantly stimulated. Did you know in the year 2019, the most sought after commodity in the world is not gold. The most valuable thing on earth today is not diamonds or jewels. Even real estate doesn't appreciate to the same degree that this commodity does. The most valuable thing on earth today is your attention. The ability to hold your gaze, the ability to get you to do this is more valuable on earth than anything else. Companies can lose a billion dollars, but if they gained a billion subscribers would have a net worth that is far greater than the deficit in any fiscal year because the most coveted thing in our time is your attention. If I can make you do this, if I can hold you to this, then that is the ultimate commodity on earth, which is of great challenge to us because we serve a God who isn't just borrowing a social media platform or creating a more desirable shop front window or advertising himself in glossy ads and bikinis. Our God, our God is a God who sits in the throne of heaven and is seeking to communicate to His people, wanting to, wanting to put something on the inside of us. And whilst we are jerking to and fro and connected and online, God is saying, I'm watching you. And I'm looking at your life and I just want you to know that it could be better. I want you to know that it doesn't have to be the way that it is. He says, I'm looking at you and you are just running around all over the place. But I want you to know that I'm a God who is not only to be found in the busyness and the distraction and the connection and the, the pressure and the comparison and the, 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 the want and the desire and the continual lust for more of the culture in which we live. God said, I'm not just a God who is discovered in the close at hand. No, I am a God who is far away at the same time. He's looking for somebody who's going to recognize that our God's love is found every moment of every day. And if, if, you, want, if you want your life to be better, then don't, don't come to Him less, come to Him more. I mean, if, if you're under pressure, just say help. If, you, just say, if, if you're feeling lonely, just say Jesus. If you, if you need His help, just ask for it. He is a God who is always close at hand. But God says, hang on a minute. This is true of me. This is real of me. And you can bank on it. But there is more. If you want your unction back, if you want a promise in you, if you want to do more than just survive, if you want to truly thrive, if you want to make an impact in your world, if you want your life to fulfill your potential, there needs to be a time in your life, then you do more than just connect with me in the day by day. There needs to be a moment in your life when you do more than just connect with me in the day by day. There needs to be a moment when you connect with me as the purpose of the whole day. There needs to be a section of your life where you choose to push back on what is close at hand. There needs to be a season of your life where you say, Netflix, you are no longer part of my online consumption. Where, where social media, I put you away. Where calendar, I purposefully empty you. Where pressure, 
I just turn my back on you. And even, even though I love you, family, I just choose to, to be the person God wants me to be. I need God more than I need your approval right now. I have, to, I have to do something that is for me, but it's also for you. I have to push back on what is close at hand. And I have to reach. I have to reach for the God who is far away. I have to reach for the God who is higher and further. I have to reach for the things of heaven that can't be received while my mind is distracted. I have to... I have to reach for the understanding of God that I won't get if I'm responding to instant messages every 20 seconds whilst I'm trying to pray. Does anyone know what I mean? I have to find a place where I'm lifting my hands in worship and my cell phone is under the seat. Come on, somebody. Where I'm listening to the message, but the phone is on flight mode while I take my notes. I I have to reach for the God who longs to be sought with all of my attention and all of my focus, with the singularity of my attention. I have to reach for the faraway God. See, Jesus said, blessed are those whose master finds them searching even in the second and third watch of the night. The second watch begins at 10 p.m. The third watch ends at 6 a.m. In other words, when everyone else is asleep, there is a special blessing to be found. What am I saying? I'm saying if you're trying to connect with God in the close at hand, you'll learn a lot about Him. But if you'll find God when there is no competing voice, no other agenda, when nothing else filters out His gaze, that's when you find something of God that you can't get in the day by day. We have to reach for the, am I talking to anybody? We got to reach for the faraway God, the faraway God. Tap somebody next to you and tell them he's the faraway God. He's the faraway God. He's the faraway God. See friends, every moment of every day, our God is speaking. Put your signs back. Thank you guys. Every moment of every day, God is speaking, but there are some things of him that we will never know if all we know of what we get from Him in the day by day. I need my day by day boys, my close at hand boys to just gather around me. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The fear that I have is that we raise a generation whom because of the life that we have given to them or the societal code that has been forced upon them and because we are connected and because we can binge watch and because we work days and nights, because, because we have so much pressure and we have so much running around That if we are not careful, a a, a one-dimensional approach to our relationship with God or with people leads to a shallowing of our culture. Does anyone just say that could be a danger, right? And here's the thing is that you tend to connect out of what you know. So we have people walking away from friendships as quick as they unfollow somebody on Facebook. We have Christians who potentially only know the God who is close at hand. And this is wonderful. God is close at hand. But if this is the sum total of my experience of Him, then the truth is I am underselling my potential. I'm not realizing the fullness of what God has for me. I'm coming up short on the potential heaven put on the inside of me. So we have a generation who when I look at the church creatively, it just feels like we are a generation that are communicating with God only out of the close at hand. What do you mean, John? I mean, is anybody else apart from me just noticed that it seems like so many Christians don't want to praise anymore? Because praise isn't about me. Praise is not what I do just because I got a car park. 
Praise isn't what I do because I threw up a quick little prayer when I was trying to get a, an answer to a problem. Praise is what I do when I realize that God doesn't just dwell here on earth, but that He fills the heavens. It's what I do to enter the presence of the Most High God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Is it just me or is it a, that we've got a generation on the earth who don't want to praise and who are, who are the vast volume of their worship is singing songs that make them feel better about themselves? Wow. He loves me and He cares for me and He helps me and He heals me and He provides for me. The dominant word in the song seems to be me. Wow. Why? Because if you know the God who is close at hand, these songs are theologically accurate. They are absolutely true. They're faithful to the totality of God's Word. There's nothing wrong with them if they are not the sum total of what we know of Him. Friends, I need you to understand that the angels don't circle the throne of heaven singing, God loves me. I mean, it's true, but it's just not what they say. Because this is the God that we know in the close at hand. The angels, however, circle the throne of heaven singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and the whole earth is full of His glory. We need to know the God who is close at hand, but we also need a revelation of the God who is a faraway God. He's a far away God. See, friends, the Bible tells us that Jesus, Jesus, wherever He went, crowds came to hear Him preach. Everywhere He went, crowds came to hear Him preach. Houses were packed and seashores were so full He had to climb into a boat. The Bible tells us that crowds came to hear Him preach. But the Bible says about our Saviour that He Himself often withdrew into the wilderness to pray. You don't sustain unction. You don't remain alive in your Christian faith. You don't keep a living relationship. You don't live with a promise. If you live in the close at hand, you got to reach for the far away God. Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, but the Bible says even though they set up a camp and he dwelt in the camp, that he also pitched the tent outside the camp where he would go every day and he would commune with God. The Bible says Elijah brought the word of the Lord to the people of Israel, called down supernatural fire from heaven on top of Mount Carmel, ended a three-year drought, killed the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah. But then the Bible says that he got alone with God on a mountain because it wasn't just what God did in the crowds that defined Him. It was what He got when He was alone with God that He needed to sustain Him. Am I talking to anybody? We don't need an anemic generation of believers who only know how to pray a Hail Mary when they need a car park. We need a generation who know how to put their phone on flight mode, how to put, surrender their cell phone during a church service. We need a generation who know how to read God's Word, how to turn off a television and reach for the faraway God. We need a generation that connect with this God. Come on, am I talking to anybody today? He's a faraway God. He's a faraway God. Who is Jesus without the isolation of the wilderness? Who is Moses without the face-to-face conversations in the tent of meeting? Who is Elijah without the promise of Mount Carmel? And who are God's people if all we know is what we get with a grace and a car park prayer? We're underselling our potential. We're running around trading religious activity for revival. And God says it doesn't have to be that way. So courageous pastors at Kingdom City say, how about we do something? How about we pray and we fast for 21 days? 
How about we actually choose to separate ourselves from some things for a period of time and we trade our meal time for a prayer meeting? How about we trade our social media consumption for a devotional life? How about, how about we engage in two words? Two words. I want to give you two words today. Two words that are going to change your life forever. I want you to write them in your notebooks. I feel free to just put them on your hand. Make this a screensaver on your cell phone. Here they are. Two words that are going to change your life forever if you will obey these two words. Here are these two words. Are you ready for these two words? I don't feel like you're ready. Are you ready for these two words? Flight mode. Flight mode. Flight mode. I'm here to tell you, friends, that one of the greatest things you can do is to deliberately disconnect so that you can connect. We need a generation that are honoring more of God than they're honoring of an Instagram status update. Somebody shout a little amen out there today. I'm not preaching against social media. Let's use it to make Jesus famous. What I'm here to tell you though, is that your life won't be the life God has if the only measure you have of your own performance is your comparison against others. You need more than that, my friend. You need a moment alone in God's Word. You need a promise on top of the mountain. You need the whisper of heaven and worship. We need a generation that are encountering the God who is far away. Somebody praise Him in this place. He's a far away God. He's a far away God. He is a far away God. We need the far away God to come and fill us with fire. We need the far away God to give us a promise from heaven. I'm here to tell you that circumstances in your life are going to change when you push back from the noise and reach for the one who waits to be longed for, waits to be looked for, the one who is discovered. My people shall search for me and they shall find me. They shall search for me and they shall find me when they search for me with all of their heart. With all of their heart. Some things in our lives will never be microwaved. Some things in our life can never be hurried. He's the faraway God. I started preaching full-time when I was 19 years old. It's all I ever wanted to do from the age of four. I wanted to be a preacher. I wanted to be a leader. I preached sermons when I was 19 years old that seemed to come out of my mouth and just fall to the ground. I would pray and I thought they were good and then I would get in front of people and the words would come out of my mouth. And it was like they were full of concrete. They would just leave my mouth and boom. Deadpan responses, no cut through, no anointing, no unction. At the end of that year, I started full time when I was 19. On Boxing Day, the 26th of December, I sat in a bunk bed with a friend. And he said to me, John, I've just been praying. I feel like God is saying that you need to go away and you need to spend some time alone with him. I looked at the pages of my Bible and one verse was in red, jumped off the page straight at me. The Bible was already open and this is what it said. Come away by yourself and rest for a while. I booked a little holiday house, a shack really. 
I went away for nine days by myself and I just prayed and I worshipped and I read the word. During those nine days, I discovered more of Jesus than I discovered in the total experience of my life up until that moment. I came back, I preached in a Baptist church, Papatoe Baptist. The pastor of that church is actually the father of the leader of the opposition in our country right now. But anyway, I preached in that church. Within five minutes of preaching, half the people in a Baptist church, in a Baptist church, stood to their feet and began to clap and cheer. Because I was never going to be who God called me to be if all I knew of Him was what I got and the close in hand in the day by day. And friend, what God has for you is far greater than you know. But He longs for people who will reach. You've been given a gift. One more week of prayer meetings. It's the far away God. 2016, we started building the Arise Center. It's a beautiful $14 million state-of-the-art building in Wellington that's won national awards for its architecture and design. Broke ground on the building. Ten days later, I got hit by a car. Fractured my skull, nearly brain damaged. Broken thumb, two broken ribs. This shoulder wouldn't work for literally nine months afterwards. I couldn't do that. We went through a year from hell. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. We were in the papers every week, people saying things, national media, lots of focus, lots of scrutiny. scrutiny. Not about morality, just about the fact that we like to love people so that they would find Jesus. At the end of that year, we fasted for 21 days. And the Lord just broke something in my heart. And that time that now, literally, as I stand here, we are in the largest month in the history of Arise Church and it doesn't feel like we are working. We are flourishing on every side, three building projects on the go. Just launched a new location, four more in the pipeline. Not the close at hand, God. He is close at hand. But I want to put a fire in you. He's far away. He's far away. He's far away. And I just feel like Kingdom City, God's saying to you, would you seek me? Maybe you can't go without food. Turn off your social media. There are a hundred men in this building who need to turn off their sport for one week and come to some prayer meetings instead. Yes, I did say that. And I meant it. There's some people out there who are saying, my job is too much pressure for me to come to a conference. That's exactly what the devil's wanted to do for a millennium of human history is to keep God's people too busy that they couldn't worship. Because the devil is not afraid of you being sustained in the day by day. He's afraid of you getting anointed with the far away. That's what he fears. He's okay if you're just surviving, but what he's scared of is when you get a promise that defies what you're going through right now, 
that echoes out of eternity declaring that our God is able, that there is a promise of faith in my heart. And I'm declaring to that mountain, it's about to move. That lost teenager, you've got a call from God on your life. This marriage is coming back to health again. My body will be healed. God is looking for a person that will seek Him so He can put a promise that is electric on the inside of you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.